Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Elevate. I'm Kaushik, the founder at Elevate. My background is in investment banking and private equity, director in private equity, and prior to that, vice president at Goldman Sachs in investment banking and private equity. Today, we are super excited to host an all-access MBA session with the admissions team at Chicago Booth on everything you need to know on how to get in and be successful at a top MBA school, directly from the AdCom team. Chicago Booth is one of the top-ranked MBA programs in the world, number one Economist, number one Forbes, number three U.S. News, and many more. And we at Elevate are thrilled to be partnered with them amongst many other top firms and universities in the world. For those that are new to the Elevate platform, Elevate is the largest finance and investing career platform in North America, 100% built by professionals, and partnered with the top firms and top universities around the world. We make best-in-class resources, training, recruiting, and networking opportunities accessible to all. Check out more about Elevate on the links below and subscribe below. Today, we are excited to be joined at Elevate by John Lin, Assistant Director at Booth, who's in charge of all things undergrad and also part of the overall MBA admissions team. He's an incredible resource, and we're fortunate that we're going to have a very candid discussion around the MBA process. In our audience today, we are joined by several hundred students and professionals from the top universities and firms in the world, about 60% of the audience from investment banking, about 30% or so from private equity, from the top firms, as well as the top 25 universities in the world, uh, and about 50% diversity. So without further ado, let's get started. And I'll turn it over to John to do a quick intro, and then we'll dive in. Great to meet everybody. Um, I, let, I let Kaushik know. I, I put my email uh, in, my, in my name. Again, thank you all for coming. I know it's, it's super busy. Finals are coming up for a lot of you. Um, for those of you in the professional world, I know people are already thinking about transitioning back to work. So wherever you're Zooming in from, it's great to have you here. Uh, and just wanted to encourage you to reach out to me. Um, I, did I did tell Kaushik, like, it's probably a little bit busy around this time for business school since we're all doing reads. But honestly, especially over the summer, if you want to schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me, uh, if you want to talk through more detailed questions that, that we may not be able to get to in this session, uh, more than happy to, to schedule those with you. Um, but at Booth, I generally run all things undergraduate uh, admissions, but I also work alongside our full-time program uh, as an admissions officer. I do a lot of those reads as well uh, and can also speak to other opportunities, uh, especially the Civic Scholars Program. So for those of you who aren't aware, we have a 50% off tuition to full percent tuition off for students who are looking to get into nonprofit careers as well. So super Excellent. excited to be here and uh, yeah, let's jump into it. Yeah, look, lots to cover here. Uh, like I said, we're soon going to be joined by um, a bunch of MBAs and, and PE professionals as well, or, or P, incoming PE professionals. We'll talk about the student side. So let's get to it. Guys, one other thing, we'll put some links up here for people that are interested. Um, uh, if you have any questions, we want to make this interactive. So we got a bunch of questions beforehand, so we'll run through those. But if you guys have additional questions, do drop them in the chat and we'll, we'll, we'll ask, um, you know, we'll ask you guys to sort of ask them yourself. So first thing, John, for you, with MBA yeah. applications at all-time highs last year, what are the two or three things you think differentiates, right? Let's break this out into two buckets. College sure. students applying to deferred programs, and then we'll get to sort of professionals applying to, um, you know, to the, to the regular way MBA programs. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, and to be honest, both, I'll, I'll answer actually, I know we have two different buckets, um, but to be honest, most of the answers that I have are actually apply to both, right? Um, a lot of it will come down to, if I had to, put it out in a tweet, right? I have limited a limited number of characters. It, it would come down to one, 
how much enthusiasm slash knowledge do you have about the school and how it pertains to your goals, right? Um, I will say one of the pitfalls for both young professionals and undergraduate applicants is they'll speak to, oh, I'm looking for leadership, right? Or I'm looking to develop my business acumen. Um, or they may even name drop a class, right? But unless you're making that connection between like, why does a specific class, why does this specific school, how does this specific school's resources help my personal goals and what I'm looking to get out of an MBA, as opposed to the generic profile of what an MBA student might look like. Um, the more specific you can be with that, the stronger your application will be. Um, the other thing too, too that I'll definitely lean into, and I know we'll, we'll get into this as well, is recommend, recommendation letters are a huge, huge area where uh, I think a lot of students and a lot of young professionals overlook it. They're like, I got it. I filled out the person's name and email. Um, and so they'll take care of it. But really thinking about coaching your letters of recommendation writers to, to go to bat for you um, is really a huge differentiator in that process. And then other than that, um, I guess a third piece I would say is uh, you know, how do you envision contributing to the Booth community or any MBA community for those applications, right? I know some of you might be approaching the application like, please take me, oh God, please take me, any of these schools, right? Um, but we also want to know, like, you know, you're going to be spending the next one or two years in this MBA program. Are you going to enjoy it? And, you know, are you going to bring some of you and, and some of your interests into the mix, right? Uh, we, you know, the last thing we want is just a bunch of people who come to class uh, and then leave and do the homework and leave, right? We, um, I don't know if Kaushik spoke to his experiences, but the MBA is a ton of fun, right? On top of, on top of the class experience, right? So, uh, you know, what are you bringing to build in that community? I think if you can integrate those three things into your application, you'll definitely set yourself apart. Uh, great answer, uh, John. And I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have the MBAs here on right after you answer some of those questions as sure. well. But I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good point um, is to connect with the program, connect with the school and really, because it's a two-way street, guys. It's, it's, an, it's a huge investment of your time and resources. So finding the right school, uh, finding the right community is really important. Um, and then also having set goals of why you're going there. I think the people that obviously we're partnered with all, you know, the top 10 MBA universities as well, the people that are most successful in the MBA know what they want. Obviously they're flexible, know what they want to get out of it sort of once uh, as they're applying, et cetera. Um, let's go back one step. We do have about half of the audience is undergrad. So maybe talk a little bit. There was a lot of questions that came in about the deferred program. So maybe John, you could talk about um, what is the timeline? What are you looking for? Sort of the optionality around that. What should they be writing essays about? Who should the recommenders be? So on and so forth. Yeah, the, the whole the whole spiel. All right. So um, our deferred program uh, is is similar in that a lot of students to other top MBA programs in that we are looking for undergraduates in their final year of undergrad. So if you're graduating in four years, you're a senior. You would apply then. If you're graduating early, it's a you apply as a third year. Uh, if you go directly between a bachelor's program and a graduate program with no significant work experience in between, you just apply during the last year of your joint degree program, if that makes sense. So you apply uh, for free 99. The application is completely free, uh, which is a huge plus. Uh, and then upon getting admitted, you can then go off to get two to five years of work experience before coming back. And so a couple of pieces of that rationale and why we have that and why a lot of MBA schools ask for that two years of work experience. Um, a lot of that is because of the, the uh, not only do you benefit from some of the classes bringing in that work experience with you so you can contribute to discussions and such, um, but actually that two-year minimum is actually in place for career side options, right? A lot of recruiters are actually looking for applicants with two years of work experience on top of the MBA, right? 
so we want you to be able to explore those options. Um, one of the things that I think sets Booth apart from maybe other schools, not necessarily makes it better or worse, it's just different, is uh, we don't ask for a deposit or, you know, like a hardline commitment that says you are only going to go to Booth after we give you that, that offer of admission. We actually give you a couple months before you even pay a deposit because we want you to make sure that, yes, this is why I want to do the MBA. We want you to experience that work experience. So during that two to five years of work experience, you actually get access to programming at Booth, right? So it's not like, cool, Simon, apply to Booth. You're in. We'll see you in five years um, and we'll never talk to you until then. Like you actually get a hand in, we have a leadership committee that's made up of deferred scholars, right? And they work with our booth students to get access to programming. We actually have one that's coming up on the 24th um, with our Kilt Center of Marketing for students who are interested in marketing careers and product management. And essentially our deferred scholars get a say in what that programming looks like. So that may be how to have difficult conversations at work. That may be, I want to pay for my MBA and I'm trying to find out how to get this money to pay for it, right? What are some of the, where are some of the areas that people don't typically look for? So um, a lot of optionality um, and you come to Booth when you want, right? Um, so we have, we do have a lot of students that come right after two years, especially if you're like iBanking to PE, iBanking to venture capital, we see that path a lot. Um, but we have a lot of students take the full five years and you don't have to decide, you know, whether you're deferring for two, three, four or five years until uh, the year you wanna come back, right? So you don't have to decide that when you apply, you can decide that while you're in your deferment. Got it, super helpful. Um, yeah. A few um, common misconceptions or questions I think a lot of the audience had submitted beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think this is somewhat has to do more with some of our professionals as well. A lot of people who are in private equity now or investment banking now, um, they feel like they, they, they aren't sure about the recommenders, right? Because they haven't had face-to-face -face interactions and this is probably true for our undergrads as well. So how do you think they should deal with that problem? Yeah, yeah. No, and we definitely saw that this year too, um, you know, with students saying like, I don't, I don't get that FaceTime. And every time I do have FaceTime over Zoom, it's in, it's in a big meeting, right? Um, one, like I always recommend if there is someone that you think is the most qualified to speak to you or someone that you eventually want to apply or have as your recommender, right? Think about it as a longer timeline. Um, email that person, schedule some time, just one-on-one -on -one to say, or even if it's a, especially if it's a manager from a previous internship that you're like, we had a good connection even before COVID, right? I think this could be a really good person. Don't be afraid to give them a cold call and say, hey, I want to catch up. Um, I want to talk about my experiences, my goals, and then also talk about your career path. Because on the one hand, you want to develop a good relationship with a recommender. But on the other, on, on top of that, a lot of the people you choose as recommenders will be mentors for you for the long run, right? Regardless of whether or not they're writing a recommendation letter for you or not. So if you identify people, maybe in an upcoming summer internship, right? If you start, like a lot of you will start summer internships or your first jobs, keep an eye out for people who are invested in you. I know that's a little hard with, harder with Zoom, but I always recommend setting the tone of your relationship, emailing them right away and saying, hey, my name's Karthik. Like, I want to open up this con, you know, open up my role with you and, and I'm open to feedback and want to continually improve. So oftentimes we wait too long and wait for someone else to give us the feedback before we act on it. But especially if you start off a relationship saying, I would love to develop feedback and check in with them off, like often and, and be more proactive about it. That actually helps you stand out because one of Booth's questions for the recommendation letter and one of that I see in a lot of other MBA applications is, 
what's the best feedback you've given this applicant, right? And if you've already started off that, that relationship, you know, based on I am someone who wants to develop myself, then you've already set yourself apart, right? Um, and of course, that's something that you can always jumpstart, even if you've already known that person for a while, like feel free to say, hey, I actually want to take a more active role in my development, right? As opposed to just reporting, you know, here's what I did this last week. Make sure you bring that professional development piece into that conversation proactively. And that's a great way to jumpstart those, those recommendation conversations. So when it's time to apply, it doesn't feel like you're dropping out of the blue, even over Zoom. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. Um, I wanted to ask you about when you're reading a when you're we talked about this yeah. John earlier, like when you're looking at a at a at a whole packet, right? So what are the things that you look for? What are the things that stand out? You know, what are the things that as an all the people that are on this call now on the other side should be focused on coming across in in that period of time that you're you know evaluating that that application? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a common misconception is like, oh, it's a numbers game, like and only a numbers game. I, I would say. Yes, the GMAT, obviously GMAT, GRE, GPA, all important, right? And if you're coming in with a 1.5, it's hard to push you further along the process. Um, but we probably turn away more people based on the qualitative parts, the essay parts, right? And so that, that's something I would say I would focus on is we can tell whether someone has written an MBA application and they've done like the full copy paste, like, and they've just replaced this school's name with that school's name and focused like the ones that stand out are really about know why they're getting an MBA, right? Hands down, that's the most important part. Know why you're getting an MBA, know what you're looking for, and then decide which schools best fit what, will, what you're looking for, for example, right? So for example, if, if you're an entrepreneur and you want entrepreneurship resources, right? Start there. Don't start with, I'm going to apply to Booth and Kellogg and Stanford and Harvard. Start with what resources you're looking at, and let's say it's entrepreneurship, which happens to be the number one concentration at Booth. Like more students do that than any other concentration. Then you can say, my name's Annie. I'm really interested in entrepreneurship. And here's how the resources at Booth will help me achieve my goals in that entrepreneurship area, right? The more specific you can be, the better. Because when we're reading those applications, just to give you a really general idea. When we're doing what we call first reads, you submit your application and we're deciding whether or not we want to give you a, an invite to interview or not, right? What we're really looking for more than anything else are red flags, right? Red flags and whether or not there's somewhere else in your application that answers those red flags. So let's say you come in with a lower GPA or a lower GMAT. That doesn't mean we're all, all of a sudden just crumpling up that application being like Kobe and then like never looking at that application again. What actually happens is we're saying, okay, this person may be lower on the quantitative scale in academics, but where are some other areas, maybe it's in an internship, maybe it's in their essay where they're speaking to a project that they've done, maybe it's into the letter of recommendation. Again, that coaching, maybe saying to your manager, hey, my grades are a little bit low, so if you could speak to my ability to work with large data sets or something like that in that recommendation, we actually look for ways we'd prefer to push you forward, right? And so that's one of the things we look for red flags. Um, those red flags could be, this person looks really great, but I don't know why they want to come to Booth, right? They've, and we've seen a lot of applications that says, you'd be a great fit for the MBA, right? But I don't know 
you know, if you would actually benefit, if this would actually help you with your goals, because I don't know what your goals are, even though you might have a 4.0 GPA and a perfect GMAT score, right? So intentionality and clarity on why you want to get the MBA and why specifically a school, what specific resources, those are the honestly the things that stand out the most. Um, I will say reading an application, a lot of students feel this pressure, especially when they see like, this is a 250 word maximum, right? That they have to fill up that entire space. Go for clarity over length every single time. Don't feel like you have to pack everything into your resume, right? We know that there is no way that you're gonna fit everything that represents who you are in one to two pages on a resume, right? But what you wanna go for is the highlight reel. Like if I walk away reading this person's resume, right? Is there a narrative? Is there something that says, I know what this person is passionate about or do I see just eight to 10 different titles, right? Cause we actually, we, and so as a recommendation and this goes for both deferred scholars who apply to CBS or our full-time program we have a section that talks about activities right don't just copy the bullet points in your resume and then paste them into your activities that activities section is a great opportunity to tell us a little bit of the quote-unquote non-resume aspects of your job here's why I did this internship here's what I'm most proud of here's the lessons I've learned from that from this experience, right? And they don't have to be formal paid work experiences either, right? They could be personal projects, they could be other things, but, but use as much of that activity section to humanize who you are beyond like, I raised, you know, like application rates by 58%. And I'm like, that's great. But uh, are you a human being on top of that? Who are you? And, and I think that personality is something that often gets overlooked because students are looking to, or applicants are looking to check all the, the quantitative boxes so much. Very comprehensive answer, John. I think yeah. one other thing, I, exactly like, I, I completely agree with all that. But um, one other thing I'll add is it, it's just doing that self-introspection. I remember writing essays and we'll have all the students who've just joined, um, the MBA students, uh, we're going to get to them just in, in a couple of minutes. Um, like, there's a lot of iterations to go on, et cetera. So just connecting with yourself and understanding your motivations behind it is going to make it um, a better decision for you and others. So a couple of few other things I want to I put out there. Like the vast majority of the audience, I think we mentioned 66% going to banking, 35% going to private equity it's over a hundred um, because there's multiple things that people are doing. Um, how do finance students set themselves apart, right? From right. the other finance students that are applying in the same thing. Cause obviously Booth is looking to get a very, you know, diverse and across different metrics. So how would you recommend, obviously if you're going into finance careers, banking, private equity, you can check off the quantitative point, but how do you kind of get that well-rounded uh, yeah, yeah. Well that's, point? That's a great question. And, and that's something we see a lot, right? Um, I would, I would say the short answers are, how are you building community, right? Um, and what are your interests outside of, maybe even outside finance, right? Um, and I'm not saying try to sign up for 800 different volunteer opportunities, but I, would, I will say specifically for finance applicants, something that stands out is when there's a finance applicant who's doing something volunteer related, right? And I know it's, it might be hard if you're, if you're chugging like an 80 hour per week, 100 hour per week job, right? Um, see if you can find some virtual options, right? Maybe you, it, maybe it's writing email. I know a lot of hospitals do like write email letters to patients every month or something like that. But, but obviously more importantly than that, don't just do it to check the checkbox. But sometimes what we'll see is, hi, I'm an applicant and all my experiences are finance, right? Which is fine. That's actually, you know what you want. You have a clear trajectory. But we also want to know, how, do you, how are you building community, if we bring you into Booth, are you just gonna take finance classes and dip? Or are you gonna be like an actual active part of this community 
who are you outside of work, right? And that's actually one of the second questions that, that's the second essay question, right? Outside of school and work, who are you? And if, you know, we wanna know who you are because that's just as important as, you know, what your accomplishments in the office are, right? Um, so I would say community is a huge one. It doesn't necessarily have to be community service, but like also think about like, what are some of your interests? Is it sports? Is it, is it you know, I would say planting, right? Like, so, so this actually came up in an application, which I, I think is an interesting slash funny, amusing point, right? Someone applied and sometimes we'll see answers to this question saying, I'm really interested in gardening because I believe in the financial sustainability of market shares of the corn crops in the field. That's, that's tight if that's actually what you want to do. Right. But don't feel like you have to upsell your experiences if they aren't directly business related for that question. That question is honestly very much meant to kind of help us see who you are as a person outside of that finance realm. Um, and I would say those are the two big differentiators specifically for finance applicants is, is that community piece and that personality piece. Gotcha. Well, um, super helpful. Any kind of uh, parting words um, of, of advice you have for, obviously, we, we, we get through a lot of topics here, but um, any advice you have for students, and maybe you can also talk about the growth of the deferred program as well, and how it's such a viable option. If you, if you apply and don't get in, do you get to sort of reapply? Maybe things like yeah. that, that, that maybe are top of mind to some people here. Yeah, lots of different things. So one, being a re-applicant re is, never, is never a disadvantage. Um, I will say like being, being a CBS admit, being a deferred candidate is great because one, you're in school mode, right? And like having to apply to the MBA program, talking to some of my peers who have done that while you're also in the working world is, is not, not as fun, right? Um, the nice thing about being in a deferred program is you have flexibility. So let's say you work for two years and you're like, whatever I just experienced the last two years is not it. I wanna come back to Booth now, right? Or you get a promotion that year and you're like, eh, I could start the MBA, but I just got this huge raise and a promotion and an ability to actually enhance the responsibilities I have and grow a little bit more. Or maybe you want to try out a different role, right? That flexibility is so key to being as a huge benefit of that, of that deferred program. I will say for reapplicants, so one, you lose nothing by applying because it's a free application, right? Um, on top of that, uh, if you do reapply, know that you're not at a disadvantage. Um, a lot of the booth class every single year actually are made up of reapplicants. And so instead of thinking, oh, I'm at a disadvantage because I applied to this deferred program, didn't get in, and now I'm reapplying, think about it almost how we look at your application, which is if you're a reapplicant, right? If Ethan is a reapplicant uh, to, to booth, for example, we look at how has Ethan changed since his last application. So we, we still read the application, but have the reasons that you want to come to booth, are they strengthened or have they shifted? right? What experiences have you had since you last applied, right? Um, always a bonus in terms of reapplying to Booth is we know that you're interested, right? Like you wouldn't go through the whole application process over again, right? So you actually have that going for you. So, so don't be afraid to apply. Um, even as a CBS applicant, applicant, that gives you free information because let's say you get past the interview, you get the interview round, right? You get the, an invite to interview. Then you know, that whatever was in your application is probably working. You should do more of that, right? If you don't get to the interview round, that's actually information too that lets you know, okay, there's something in my application missing that gives you an opportunity 
to intentionally work on that over the next two to five years. And then if you apply to Booth again, you actually end up on the same exact timeline as someone who did apply as a CBS candidate and just happened to start the same year, right? Um, I guess some, some last parting, I guess some parting advice is, uh, again, start with why you want the MBA. Uh, I guess some of the more helpful pieces of information I've been told from, from students is if you do have an interview, right? Or you do show up to events, like business schools look at that, right? Business schools look at how engaged you are. Don't just name drop like, oh, I'd take this class and this class and this class, or I talked to this student. Talk about the impact on you because Booth already knows what classes they have in their curriculum, right? What's missing is we want to know how you'll benefit from those classes based on what your goals are. And definitely do that in terms of events like this, or interview questions where, you know, we might say, oh, do you guys have any questions, right? Don't just say, oh, what are you looking for in a candidate, right? Or because that tells me nothing about you, right? If you're interested, again, I'll go back to entrepreneurship. If there's a, there's a way that you can ask a question that shows that you've done your homework and showcases some of your interests, right? So instead of saying, oh, what resources does Booth have in entrepreneurship? You can say something like, hey, I've done some research on your website. I know you have the Polsky Center of Entrepreneurship. I'm really interested in entrepreneurship. I've done these things. Do you have any additional resources or anyone you can connect me to that can speak more to some of the resources at Booth? You've asked virtually the same question, but you've also added, here's my interests and I've done my homework, right? That actually sets you apart from a bunch of different prospective students that we see both at the undergraduate and professional level. Amazing. Well, John, I know we kept you a little bit longer than, than yeah, no we worries. initially thought, but um, super like amazing resource. We covered a lot of different topics. Um, we will share all the resources. Obviously, we're so excited at Elevate to be partner with top schools like uh, you booth here. So we'll funnel all the resources along to our audience here. Um, I know John will send kind of the office hours, et cetera. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, tremendous program, but I think John is, 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 is very, uh, made himself so uh, generous with his time to kind of share all this with, with our audience here. So thank you, John, look forward to working with you guys even further going forward. And, uh, and yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll share all these links guys. Um, so now we're going to shift over to the panel, but John, thank you so much for being on and representing Booth so well. Absolutely. Thank you guys so yeah. much. Have John, a great all things weekend. admissions at undergrad and other things at, <laughs> at Booth. So thank you for being on Elevate and, uh, have a wonderful rest of the week. Weekend. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Thanks, John. See you soon, man. See ya.